welcome to the Misfit Messengers podcast, hosted by Jenny Moffat and Amanda Hoshite. I can't start by laughing. I can't. I can't too start by laughing. I have started by laughing. Well, I say funny things before I hit record, and so (laughs) slide into the podcast with laughter. It's great. Right. There you go. Well, welcome, friends. If this is your first time, this is, uh, so I am Jenny Moffat, and the other person uh, that you've heard her voice is Amanda Hoshite. Hello. Um, technically, I, you know, I say that in the little introduction thing, but I don't know if people don't know, recognize which voice is which voice, but now maybe I they will. I don't know. I recognize your voice, if that's helpful. Nah. <laughs> I mean, I also recognize your voice. Excellent. We've identified one another. We are not fakes, fake versions of ourselves. <laughs> There's no chat GPT in this, guys. It is just us. That's true. Um, and anything we say that uh, is helpful probably is no due to no fault of our own. <laughs> Thank goodness we serve a big and wonderful God. Who's much, much smarter than we are. <laughs> oh, golly. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> So we are in the middle. So we're jumping in. Actually, not the middle. We're not in the middle. We're we're concluding uh, tonight. At least our portion. We might bring some guests on to talk some about some material in this book. But we're in the in the end. This will be the final, probably the final episode talking about this becoming the Amaya book, leading with significance by David McKenna. And it it has been a wonderful journey for me and. I will say this is the second time through the book for me, or maybe the third, and it's helpful. I will say this unequivocally. It's helpful to have somebody to talk this out with, hmm. right? Because you see things in the book that I didn't see in the book, and and we've been able to kind of chit-chat back and forth about different aspects that are helpful for our leadership development. Um, so the whole idea is this this idea of the the book character, the Bible character of Nehemiah in the Old Testament, but looking specifically at his life, as kind of a commentary or or a an example of leadership development, right? And so we're kind of getting to the last chapter, the very end of this book, which, by the way, friends, is like 120 pages long. It's not very long at all. It's a very quick read, very practical information. Um, but at the end of each chapter, they have some exercises, kind of developing our leadership exercises, which we f- have found helpful to kind of talk through on our own some of which we've brought out into the podcast uh and we're here at the last one so you seem very thoughtful are you perplexed no i'm just i'm 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 preparing my thoughts for our conversation oh, okay but yes no it is it is a short it is a short read um i feel like for me i did have to go back sometimes and read it again when i got to the questions you know Yep. To really, you know, take it in of how is this, um, how can I learn this for my context, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's a dense book. It's a short but dense book. Yep, I agree. But one of the things that it says at the end, in this last chapter, in this last exercise, it says, if Christian Christian leadership begins with self-death, which I just got to stop right there. Whoa. Yeah. Because that's a that's an if statement, so that's a conditional statement, and it it follows. I mean, but let's let's. I want to dig into that phrase just for a hot minute before we get into the questions. Does Christian leadership 
begin with self-death? Well, and you think it's so punk rock. <laughs> I'm just, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's so okay. punk, right? It's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so countercultural. Because you think about when we think of in our Western capitalistic American society context that we live in, what does it take to be on the top, right? If you look at culture and what it takes to be successful, it is always at the expense of others. It is always crushing others to get to where you are, need to be. Yeah. Um, well, they were say, uh, well, I heard one said that integrity will settle on the bottom. Because mm. as you're crushing glass ceilings, sometimes <laughs> the integrity falls with it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, and that's just kind of our, our culture and not that people who are, who are CEOs and stuff like that are bad people, but it does cost something sometimes to get there. And so it's very countercultural to think of if I'm going to be first, I have to be last. Mm -hmm. Right. Like Jesus said, if yep. I'm going to be a good leader, I have to start with self-death, have to die to my own ambition. Mm -hmm. which is so like it's just counterintuitive it's just doesn't make any sense like i said it's very punk rock um but if we start there start with knowing our lack start with knowing who god is start by knowing you know what we're not that equipped for this but i know that god can use me and is and I'm going to allow my skills that he has given me to shine and not, you know, um, because then God can really like do something when we're like not in the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I think we have to put away our own agenda. Mm -hmm. We have to put away our own will. I mean, right. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the Lord taught his disciples to pray, taught us to pray. These are things that are vitally important to the kingdom work. And if, and if we want to be leaders, so as you said, you know, there's a differentiation between a cultural leader and a Christian leader. There mm -hmm. shouldn't be necessarily, but there is. But if, if I feel called <clears throat> to follow Jesus and then feel a calling to leadership, which it's just, it is what it is. There, there are going to be leaders. There are going to be followers. There are diff going to be different, different types of leaders at different levels of leadership. That's just the nature of how human organizations work, whether they're businesses, nonprofits, churches, whatever there, somebody has to take the lead, right? I'm reading another book that talks about sub shepherds or mm. under shepherds, right? So okay. Jesus is our shepherd. And pastors in a church are the under shepherds, right? They're like the the shepherding assistants. If yeah, I've always considered it more like a sheepdog, you know. Uh, you could say sheepdog, <laughs> but I, I think sheepdog. Well, we could we could argue about that. Um, I get it too. I get where you're coming from. Like no, wait, we're also still sheep, and yeah, I get but, it. Yeah, but you're also still a sheep, so it's like you're like the like the head sheep. Ah, um, Ram, you. <laughs> I had it. I had it. Okay. Get crooked. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> Those of you just joining us for the first time, get crooked. You need to go back to some episode in the past. I don't remember which one where we talked about Psalm 23. 
with our good friend Jennifer Davidson <laughs> and get crooked um, was the catchphrase to that, that one. Anyway, <laughs> good heavens. Yeah, so Christian leadership, if Christian leadership begins with self-death and not even a, a, a then, but and if greatness begins with servanthood, which is definitely what you were saying with Jesus saying the first shall be last and the last shall mm -hmm. be first, right? The greatest among you should be like the servant, sure. right? Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so if those two things are true, the leadership, the Christian leadership begins with death, self-death. And if greatness becomes a servant, servanthood, then most of the current the theories about leadership development are turned upside down. Right, upside down kingdom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just said that out loud. Um, all right. <laughs> it is it's upside because christ comes and he he flips things on their heads yeah. oh yeah and honestly as i read through the old testament it isn't just when christ enters the scene that god is doing the upside down thing mm -hmm. it's just that the the people weren't ready for it and so he had to kind of start somewhere Right. But even even in the Old Testament, there are so many times when God doesn't doesn't act like what we would think a typical God, quote unquote, would act like. Right. Um, and yeah, the, I have so many thoughts there, but let's go to the first question. OK. Yep. Is my primary motivation to be a servant or to be a leader? Hmm. And I think that's, I think if you ask those people that, oh yeah, I want to be, I want to be a, I want to be a servant. Yeah. I feel like the proof is in the pudding. Yep. Oh, absolutely. You know, so, uh, so I, I, I remember having a moment of clarity in this at our, at our first appointment. So we're trying to create a little bit of a leadership team. And I was very much like, we're going to be like, the night to the round table and every voice is going to matter and we're going to do this as a collective and it's going to be so kumbaya and everything is going to be great. And then some of the people around the table were just saying some dumb stuff in my opinion, just like leaders that I'm like, that's not, you know, like, like that's just not going to work. I've, I've, you know, in my opinion. Right. So then I'm starting to feel like, you know what? I'm in charge of this meeting. So this is what's going to happen, you know? And then I was like, so much for like Kumbaya dream just shattered out of the thing because I realized I, when it came to push, came to shove, I wanted to be the leader. Yeah. You know? Yep. And I wasn't serving the people who I invited to the table for their voice and I wasn't honoring their voice because it wasn't what I wanted it to say. Yeah. And I had to do some leadership mm -hmm. soul searching to think, is there elements of what they're saying that we actually could utilize and you know who what kind of what kind of leader do i want to be but mm -hmm. i definitely remember that moment of like listen everyone i invited you here but i don't like what you're saying so now i'm we're just going to do my thing <laughs> said far more tactfully but it was i do actually the sentiment <laughs> i was thinking people who listen must think some things about me i don't know i <laughs> I'm actually much more tactful in person. They they also probably think things about me. It's a, it's, you know, <laughs> there's an opportunity for comments. Feel free to place those comments in to the appropriate places, which I'm sure you can find in your podcast app. All right. <laughs> I agree, though. I agree wholeheartedly. So it is, is 
it's often a thing, especially within churches, followers of Jesus. Yo, yes, I'm called to be a servant of the people. But God forbid they have to actually serve the people. Um, you know the problem with outreach? When they reach they back. Reach back. <laughs> I heard that in a really crappy movie one time, but it made me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I always say that there are jobs in the church, in my setting, in your setting, that that really only I can do. Just based on the structure of the of what we do, there are certain jobs that only I can do. Just based on how our organization works, how my role works administrationally, there's just things that these are the ones that I have to do. But at the same time, there isn't a job that I won't do, except mm -hmm. cooking. I won't cook. You would. Yeah, I probably would. It wouldn't it wouldn't end well though. But you would do it if you had to. I, I would totally recruit people. Like, hey, you like cooking. Come here. I would. <laughs> I if if push came to shove and we absolutely needed something cooked for a whatever, I would do it. I would then probably find somebody to replace me for the second time that that had to happen. But no job is beneath me. Mm -hmm. And I don't, people say that tongue in cheek, but as you said, the proof is in the pudding. Like, do you see it in their real life experience? Or is it something that they say, but they don't act upon? Mm-hmm. Or turn this to our mirror facing, right? Because sometimes it's very easy to say they, right? right? The they, the they out there, whoever they are, they do whatever they want to do, but it's definitely not what I do. No, there are times when there's definitely jobs I don't want to do. However, there's no job beneath me. So if it requires that today I got to go out and shovel snow, I got to go shovel snow. If it means... There's a there's a situation in the restrooms that has to be taken care of. I will take care of a situation in the restroom. If there's a fill in the blank scenario of things that typically we we say, oh, the leader shouldn't have to do that. I disagree. Now, should the leader have to be responsible for all the things all of the time? No, that's not how the nature of the church is. Read Ephesians chapter four. Jesus gave the church apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, all these different offices of the church. Why? Verse 12, I just preached on this, so it's very, and I'm very passionate about this passage of scripture. Why? To equip God's people for works of service. Mm. Right? So the job of everyone in the church is to do works of service, works of ministry. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, where they no serve. No spectators, right? Right. No spectators in the kingdom of God. Yep. But the question is, is my, is my primary of motivation to be a servant or a leader? Mm. And I like what David McKenna says. He actually quotes one of his former books earlier. Yeah. But he says, um, faithfulness, not success, is the standard of Christian leadership. Mm. Faithfulness. Was I faithful yeah. in what I did? And I just I just had an example of this actually just recently, like today, where um, there was something uh, ministry related on my heart. Um, and I just was really feeling and said, like, I have to say something. I have no power to do anything about this, this particular thing. But, um, I do know people who do have the power to do something about it. And I really wrestled with, do, am I going to say something? Am I going to say something or not say something? Um, and 
I ended up just saying something, and it kind of, I mean, it was a little risky. I could be known as a meddler, which, you know, I, mean, I am sometimes. But anyway, um, but I just said, you know, I am just putting this to the person. You do have the power, but after this email, I've I've done my part. Yeah. I'm faithful to the leading of the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to trust that whatever you do with it, you do with it. Mm -hmm. But I know I can answer to to uh, my own conscience and to the leading of the Holy spirit that I did my part. And, and, but I have to be okay with the outcome. Right. Yep. It's successful in what, in what I feel should be successful or not. That's not up to me. Right. right. That's up to the person that actually has the power. But for mm -hmm. me, my faithfulness was saying something and giving mm -hmm. that over to them and being like, okay. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, and success is so the word success or what constitutes success is such a subjective term, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Because what what I think of as success and what you think of as success and fill in the blank for every person who is listening or or exists on planet Earth, we all have different definitions of what that word means. And so how do we say that in a given role or a given season or a given time period, we were successful isn't like you said isn't the definition that we should the standard by which we should we should look at our lives but are have we been faithful to what god has called us to do in this time and place for this for this season and if we can say yes to that question then we're successful yeah i mean if you want to go that way that's that's how you could do that but but going back to primary motivation what motivates us in our role mm. as followers of Jesus? Is it is it accolades? Is it attaboys and attagirls? Is it we're trying to get some bigger mansion in heaven? Is it we want praise from our fellow Christians? Is it organizational success or positional uh up upward mobility mm -hmm. or is our motivation to be faithful to the call that God has placed on my heart and mind and and life for right now mm. and i think he calls each of us to serve yeah and not not to earn anything we don't serve so that we, if because Jesus talked, it talks about this in in the Gospels, talks about this in Paul's letters. But if we were earning our way to heaven, it would be like a paycheck received by an employee, yeah. right? Instead, our service to God is a natural, in my opinion, response to the love that God has for us. That my natural response to the lavish outrageously sacrificial love that God has for me to have given his son in my place yeah. is I love you, Lord. What do you need from me? What do you want me to do? And it's to live a life worthy of the calling we have received. The calling we have received is adoption as children of the most high God. And as children, we are to love the Lord, our God with all our hearts, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And as we love our neighbors, we would want to serve them. We would want to promote their wealth 
their well-being, excuse me, not wealth necessarily, but their well-being. Yeah. You'd want to help them be stronger, better, have their needs met, fill in the blank. Right. right? Absolutely. Hmm. And I, I love the second question too. So the first yeah. one is, what is your primary motivation? Yep. Like, what do you feel your primary motivation is? Am I doing it for, um, to be, to be a servant? And my motivation is, is that, or do I want to be the leader and have people see me and ooh and ah? Mm-hmm. Um, the second one though is how would other people or right. specifically superiors, peers, subordinates answer? About, about you, you right? How would the, how would the people who work with you, um, or work under you or, you know, work alongside you work alongside you right what would what would they say mm-hmm. and you'd be amazed at how many times in leadership i've i've known leaders who really believe everybody loves them mm-hmm. and then you ask people about them and they get like oh uh. if they're nice it'll be like a oh yeah um, you know, if they're brutal, I'll be like, oh, they're a terrible person for X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And, um, and it makes you think like, whoa, I kind of hope I never get that disillusioned. Right. Right. Like, that to me is tragic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, like the proof is in the pudding. You could say, I love you. I love you. I love you. But, um, if you are continually doing things to undermine and yeah. And um, to me, just like my example, when I invited all those people is because I value your input. I value what you have to say, but I realized by myself, I didn't. Right. I didn't. You, I think you wanted to, I think I wanted you to. wanted to want, yes. but you didn't at the end of the day, at the end of the day. And I, and I really had to do some like, no, if I invited them, if I'm the proof has to be, Right in the put, like it, and I just keep saying that term. But the proof has to be there. How do I show that I mean it? Is by actually taking what they have to say. Yep. You know, and working through those kings before I just dismiss people. But that was something I realized I was a hypocrite mm-hmm. in that in that particular meeting, and I had to go and apologize to people. Say, you know what? I just totally steamrolled that whole thing, and that's yeah. not who I want to be. Yep. As a leader. So can we have a take two and try, try again? And luckily everyone has a lot of grace for me and it worked out. But yep. I realized, you know, this isn't the kind of leader I want to be. Yeah. I have had experiences like that similar, like not exactly like that, but, uh, you know, as we've talked about in the past, I've worked at a grocery store for a decade. So I had lots of opportunities for leadership and and to do it badly and to do it good. Uh, when I did it badly, I didn't even realize how badly until years later, when I got to look at my personnel file, you know, that, uh, employee file and realized that there had been some complaints that I didn't even know about. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause that's the other challenge. A lot of times, especially if you have positional leadership, positional power authority, you're the people under you don't always feel comfortable coming to you with their issues with you. Right. Uh, maybe you wield enough authority that there could be retribution there, you know, just it, confrontation is hard, right? Nobody really, very few people like confrontation. If you like confrontation, probably you're not handling it very well, but uh, 
but I, I didn't learn until years later how much, and I didn't even think I was like, I thought I was doing all right, but I was not. Mm-hmm. And looking back, so in the moment when I read those things, which was years later, I was like, but I didn't think I was doing that bad. Now, reflecting back again, because as I've been maturing this whole time, like, holy cow, I was a jerk. I was new into the position of leadership. I didn't, I didn't have like the, the savvy to handle the power because I was new to it. Right. That's an easy thing to fall into, especially as a new leader, a young leader or an immature leader. And I don't mean immaturity um, either in the category of just age Mm. or as a, as a, as a negative thing necessarily. Right. We all, come to we all have to mature through life right so there is going to be a time in our lives where the term immature fits our description and it's okay yeah it just can't stay there Mm -hmm. does that make sense it's okay to say i'm new to this i'm i'm still learning come help me alongside right to have that humility to say i need somebody to to walk this path with me right now. And I, and I think that goes with any kind of growth in Christ, in faith, in anything. Yeah. Whenever we're confronted with our lack, there are two choices. And I actually take the examples of two of the disciples, Peter and Judas. Both failed Jesus. Mm-hmm. Both denied Jesus. Yep. Right. Both yep. Um, chose selfishness. Whatever. They both, they both did that. When confronted... Peter fell to the feet of Jesus, understood his lack, and asked for God to forgive him. Judas turned inward on himself in his shame and committed suicide because he couldn't handle the weight of it because he was burying it on his own. He was shamed. And whenever we're confronted with our own lack of faith, own lack of or immature leadership, own we've messed up because we're human. We too are faced with, do we give it to the feet of Jesus or do we turn inward on ourselves and either try to hide um, or give up entirely? Or fight back. Right. Or, or defend, you know, oh, it's not even that. Yeah. Right. Because sometimes you can, Justify you can have a, or... yeah, where that you, you know, you just, you turn aggressively outward. Yeah. Where you don't want to be around like no everybody has to walk on eggshells now at this juncture of your life and there's been i mean you don't have to go far in the news to see that in oh absolutely leadership like where that's happened and you're like how does this get here i know i can't imagine that that started that way correct so what happened and the thing is it's it's not usually one thing right yeah one thing one thing is the straw that broke the camel's back right one thing is the is the final straw but there were lots of little things that led to those places right and that's where i think if you're seeking maturity if you're seeking discipleship in christ following jesus well to be able to take the little corrections right i always um think back to my dad when he was teaching me how to drive and he would talk to me about how you don't want to look directly in front of the car Right. Because your course corrections are going to be exaggerated if you're looking directly in front of the car, like the 10 feet in front of the car. What you want to do is look farther down. First of all, you can see a, a, a wider spectrum so you can see better um, 
you'll have more warning about things coming at you, that sort of thing. Certainly your peripherals are still going to watch for deer close, right? <laughs> but if you're focused farther down, you're going to make slight course corrections and you're going to keep in the lines far better than if you're trying to look directly in front of you. And sometimes we get so close to our issues that we're trying to course correct too too aggressively, too drastically, right? And if we say, let's let's do little course corrections. Let's, you know, I see that this could be a potential challenge that I have. So let what are some steps? Who who can I talk to? What book can I read? What what I what what does my prayer life need to look like so that so I don't fall into this temptation? So I don't go down that road. Does that make sense? If I know that I'm going to come up to a situation that could be triggering because of my past, what are things that I can do to help alleviate some of that, right? Mm -hmm. um, as we think about how we lead as a, as a follower of Jesus, if we think of it in terms of the power that I wield, we're missing our focus, right? Um, man, there's so much there that I lost my train of thought because I had four four different ideas trying to all mesh together. I hate that when <laughs> it happens. But I do want to get back one, to the second question real quick. That's why 360 degree um, reviews are helpful, can be helpful, if especially if you have a place where it can be 360 degree um, reviews, by the way, are people that where you have are reviewed not just by your boss, but by your boss, by your coworkers, and by those you work over, like that that are under you. And so the idea is that you you have all facets. Now the only time that that's helpful is if it can be anonymous, because you know some people just have have a difficult time sharing honestly with people, especially those um, in positions of authority over them. And so. But if you can get it to a place where people feel comfortable being honest in those scenarios, you can really get a picture of, of what are people seeing in me that I might not be seeing, right? Sometimes you might have the best of intentions and you're doing what you think is the best possible thing that you could do in your, in your realm of influence and realizing that you're being a total jerk to this one group of people. And not realize it because for you, you have an agenda maybe, or you're on, you're on a mission. You're trying to get this thing accomplished and they don't know that you're getting that thing accomplished. They just see your authoritarianism, right? Or they just see that you're blunt or harsh or the way in which you speak to them feels like they don't matter. They're just part of your agenda to get something done. Mm -hmm. And we have to have the humility as leaders to say, I can receive that information and adjust my leadership style, my behavior to accommodate it. Now, there's some people who are just going to complain about everything, right? That's true. If you're the nicest person in the world. They're going to complain if you're the rudest person. It just doesn't matter what you do. I'm not talking about those folks, okay? I'm talking about the people who are just trying to be honest, who say, look, I feel like I can't come to you with anything because you're just going to bite my head off. Receive that and say, how do I, how do I change that perception? How do I how do I express that my passion and seeming aggressiveness is because I'm sold out on this mission that we're trying to accomplish? Because I I can come across that way sometimes. 
where, especially when I'm excited or when I'm, when I have an agenda, like it's Christmas time or it's, we've got an event coming up or fill in the blank. Like there's this thing that needs to be done. Right. And so I'll just like, what sometimes can feel like bark out our orders. Right. It's like, you need to do that and you need to do that and you need to go there. And what I've learned from my past experience, I'm still not perfect. Friends, please don't think that I've arrived and that I'm the guru that everybody should listen to. But this is what I've learned from my personal experience is that in my head, I'm trying to accomplish a task. So in my head, I've got the 7,652 items that need to be accomplished to get this thing done. And so I'm trying to just delegate so that we can get this thing accomplished because I want to finish the thing, right? But what comes out is, or has, is I don't care about who they are. I just want them to get this thing done, right? I no longer care about them as a person. I am just task-oriented. And so what I've learned is when I go to give instructions, which I have to do, part of my job is delegating authority. Part of my job is is when we have a big thing like Christmas happening in the Salvation Army and there's 4,000 moving parts to it, there are some times when I just have to give orders or give instruction. And so I try to treat it instead of giving orders, just give instruction. Hey, or even to ask a question, especially of volunteers. Right? Hey, can you do this? Would you be willing to do this? Hey, could I have two volunteers to do this task over here? Right? Instead of YouTube right there, come with me. We're going to go do this thing. Right? And all that took was to see how I was, I was, how I was looking to them, right? To flip the script a little bit. How, what are they seeing and say, oh, well, that's a simple change. I just need to change the words in which I use and the tone of voice in which I use it. Hmm. This job is still going to get done, but now everybody feels a part of the team. Does that make sense? Hmm. Anyway. And, and in that considering of the people that are around you, that's moving into that leadership, the servant role, right? Mm -hmm. Cause what does the servant do? It considers the needs of, of 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 the people, right? Yeah. And um so when we're closing up this chapter of Nehemiah, it's kind of a crazy thing um that Nehemiah goes goes from governor um and all these types of things, right? And then it just he just kind of yeah, just closes his time. Like goes back and that's that. Like <laughs> and it's such like an upside down kingdom kind of thing. You know, you'd think, oh, yeah, like he would go stay on and his kids would succeed him and like they would reign forever. But he uh, he realized what his task was and he was OK when it was completed yeah. because it wasn't about him. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? And like, absolutely. You know, why do we study? Why do we study the, the life and leadership of, of a guy that lived several thousand years ago? Um, but it, he just, he realized he kept himself in constant prayer. He owned his mistakes and corrected them quickly and swiftly. And he, he recognized God's role in it all. And he recognized his own role. Yeah. And he, he did the job that needed to be done, not for his own glory. Right. Absolutely. You no. Know, and I think that, uh, it's just, that's why, that's why we study him for leadership is, if if we're doing this just for us, it can only go so far and probably a little piddly far, right? Like it's yeah. not it's, it's in the name of Amanda. 
it's not going to go very far. Right. But, you know, if I can remember that everything that I do in my little sphere, and I don't have a huge sphere of influence, but I do have one. Mm-hmm. But if I do it for the name of God, recognizing mine in his place, then it has the propensity to really have a much bigger lasting impact than I probably won't know till glory, you know? Yeah. Well, there's a proverb somewhere. I don't think it's actually a scriptural proverb, but um, that says uh, you can accomplish a whole lot more if no one cares who gets the credit. Mm, Yeah, good. I didn't invent that, friends. Took it from somebody, I'm sure of it, but... But it doesn't matter who gets the credit. God gets the glory, period. Mm-hmm. And, if, and, if, and if my life, my actions are not giving God the glory, either they're, I'm trying to glorify myself or worse, or maybe not worse, I don't know, not any better, but just my actions bring badness to God's name because I'm doing it wrong. Well, that's not good either. So I, I often, when I think about, especially the decisions that I make, is this decision glorifying to God? Yeah. That's a, it's just a filter I use. Uh, one, one, I know we we're running out of time just for our own personal sakes, but there, I do want to talk real quick uh, about that question. It says, if humility and faithfulness cannot be taught, which I don't think they can. I don't, I don't think they can. It says, how can they be learned? Is the crucible test of character and competence also the classroom for greatness? Hmm. So humility and faithfulness are so important in, in just the walk of Christianity, just the walk of following Jesus, but especially within Christian leaders. We have, I feel like, my opinion, this is my opinion, that we have a dearth, a lack of humble, faithful servant leaders in the church. And I will say specifically even our Salvation Army. Now, I don't think we're unique in that. I don't think it's just a Salvation Army thing or even just a church thing. I think it's a a big C Christianity thing. And there are probably a myriad of reasons that I'm not going to delineate and get into, but I think there is a solve one of the solves is just seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Mm. Right. It's, it's Philippians chapter two. You should have the same mindset of that of Christ Jesus. Yeah. And I, I think it's because at least from what I've seen, we, we live in a producer culture. Yeah. Uh, that and more will do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and I think had, you know, Nehemiah tried to do everything at once or didn't seek the Lord on it and just try to do it in his own strength, it wouldn't have went very far. They would have definitely been. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Crushed (laughs) quickly. Um, but I think sometimes we just try to do stuff to do stuff. And yes. um, <laughs> I don't know yes. if I'm saying this even right. Um, but I think with leadership, the work will come. 
And, um, you know, we, we hire people. That's part of the vein that we do. And I really love that, that, um, humility and faithfulness. There's no course you can take. That's going to get you there. Just the it, course of life, right? Life, yes, you want to be there, right? Life experience. But it's not, yeah, and not everybody, not everybody learns those lessons of humility and faithfulness. But I think but, if we if we focus on those things, primarily yeah. on faithfulness, because what is that? You know, in our in our youth night, we're to, we're learning the very simple verse in the month of January: if you can be trusted with little, you can be trusted with much. Right, <laughs> right. Yep. If I can be faithful in my small corner. Mm-hmm. You know, then I can be faithful with, yeah, a nation. You know, I don't know. Absolutely, I'm reading a book, another book right now. I'm reading so many books right now; it's not even funny. But it's called uh, "Ordinary: Sustainable Faith in a Radical, Restless World," and I I do recommend it. It's by Michael Horton. But uh, the whole concept is that part of the reason discipleship has failed so radically is because we all want the the over-the-top radical experience, mm-hmm. the like mountaintop, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be a world changer for Jesus. And he says his whole premise is no, we need ordinary, everyday, faithful Christians doing their thing day in and day out. Because you're over the top, crazy, gotta be the best of the best, world changing transformative things that's not a sustainable thing well going back to a former podcast and i'll just touch on this a little bit that i told you uh and if you listen you'll have to go find it so an early one where i talk about jerry which was yep. one of my dad's friends who just yep. was this guy super ordinary guy yeah who just took kids out fishing that was his thing he would just pick a kid and take him fishing for a year. And he just cared about them, learned their name. And if they liked baseball or football, I mean, that was like it, you know? Right. And at his funeral, standing room only yeah. of all these men with all these fishing caps that he had given them who were deeply impacted by this little guy, didn't stand more than five foot five. Um, You would, yeah not think anything of him if you saw him across this you know but he just lived a life of faithfulness i don't have much but i know how to fish yep amen you know (laughs) that's it and i and i just i can invite a kid on a weekend you know yeah i love it yeah good old jerry i can't wait to hang with him in heaven it's gonna be awesome i got some folks like that too (laughs) Can't wait. Can't wait. Man. Yeah, I think Nehemiah's life is one that, that started in service to the king. He was the cupbearer. He helped build a wall. Helped get Jerusalem back on its feet politically. Tried to find someone who could take the take the wheel from his hands and failed. Um, but uh but lessons that we can certainly learn. And questions that I think as good leaders, if we want to be good leaders, if we want to be good servant leaders, we've got to ask ourselves, 
And we've got to be honest. We can't, we can want something, but we can't lie to ourselves. You know, like I might want to be a servant leadership, but if I'm not, I got to be honest with myself about it. You know, absolutely. But you got any final thoughts? I mean, I kind of shared it with my Jerry thing, but I mean, just, um, I think just go back and ask yourself those questions. Am I, am, is whatever I'm doing and everybody, we talked about this before. Everybody has influence. Even my 12 year old son has influence. Everybody has influence somewhere. Am I, am I doing things to be a servant or to be a leader? And how would the people around me also judge that merit? Like, yep. because and listen to them. I think people put each other in our lives for a reason. Yeah. And then be willing to to receive it. I think that's where that humility piece comes in. Because people don't generally aren't trying to make you mad. If they're speaking to you, they probably are doing it for your good. At least I give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Because mm-hmm. that's just an easier place for me to do, to for me to live. But man, good topics. This as always. Amanda, we could talk all night long, but you have things to do. I have things to do. The people listening to us have things to do, although they could put us on pause. So that's a real thing. But anyway. All right. Well, God blesses us. Why, Amanda? So we can be a blessing to others. All righty. We'll catch you guys next time.